0: you're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Good evening, Michael. Andre,
1: how are you doing?
0: I'm great. How about yourself?
1: Good. What, did you drink anything interesting this evening?
0: Uh, I'm actually drinking 100th Meridian Organic Amber Lager from Mill Street.
1: Oh, Mill Street. i Oh, yes. I remember we were at Mill Street yesterday, were we not?
0: We are in the throes of April and it's just been one tasting after another and beer
1: just seems to be the thing to do in between tastings.
0: It's a good way to break it up, that's for sure.
1: It is. Yeah, Mill Street was really good uh, yesterday. Yes, it was. Uh, grant, granted, we were at the, uh, at the Oregon tasting.
0: And we have a podcast coming up about that. We talked to a couple of very interesting people. from. I,
1: I thought they were fantastic. I was so happy with those. But before we even get into that, yes. we have to go back a little bit to uh, one of the most prestigious evenings for Ontario wine.
0: Yes, uh, we were at Cuvée.
1: Yes, and that is the night that is all about the best of Ontario. Yes. And we, uh, I'm just looking at your list here, because I, I know I was there, and I know I was drinking, and you were drinking, um, and we have some really fantastic people that we spoke to that evening about not only their wines, but about their uh, perspective on wines, because I noticed it's not everybody on our list was, uh, yeah, and I know I was there, it's not all winemakers. (laughs) Um, So I I think we're just, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to play for the folks some of the uh clips that we got from that evening
0: yeah that's right we had a chance to um i mean the the clips are are literally cut chronologically so you get further into our evening as we'll get into the clips but um i mean we can talk a bit about the format of the event this is the first year since they've switched it back to kind of a walk around tasting where every winery had two wines they had a red and a white Yep. and there were over 90 wines in total to taste
1: I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say I kind of like the fifty wine format, but I understand why you want to improve improve that. Get a little bit bit more under the you know people want to if they're if they're paying that much for a ticket, you want to give them a little bit more about what they're gonna get from Ontario. I understand that.
0: Well, here's the thing. From a, a general consumer perspective, I love this format because we still have people who are very set in their ways. A lot of people will say they don't like red wine or they don't like white wine. And it just gives you a chance to have more variety at the event. And I know from the past couple um, cuvées, I mean, the wines are always fantastic. I mean, the M.O. is for wineries to bring their favorite wines. And I mean, no one disappoints. I mean, they're obviously bringing interesting stuff to pour. But uh, I think just the variety this year, having twice as many wines on the floor, just made for a more interesting event.
1: Yeah, I I understand the format. I just like the 50, uh, 50 wine event. It's just it's just a personal preference. Yeah. As a as somebody who'd like to get around and taste everything? Yes. Uh, I like I like that, but I understand that if I'm paying for a ticket, I would like to taste more of what Ontario has to offer.
0: I mean that's that's certainly fair. Um but do you want to go let's go through some of the wines that we thought were worth talking about?
1: All right. So let's uh let's go to the first thing I I think you're going to throw to and I uh this pains me to uh to say this, but uh, this was probably one of my favorite uh Chardonnays of the night. Now, there's a lot of Chardonnays on the floor, let's be honest. Yep. Because Ontario does do great Chardonnay. Yes. And uh, you know, if you were to go through the list of whites that people chose, you know, more often than not it is a it is a Chardonnay. And um uh Kevin Panagapka just is knocking it out of the park.
0: I've always made the wines I like to drink,
1: right? So maybe we like to maybe we both like drinking. We must something. like the same cuz this new
0: uh it's what the 2014 yeah 14, box crop. So it's 18 months in oak, which is quite a long time. It's totally 20% new wood. Uh but it's 100% barrel fermented. So really only 20% of the barrels are actually new. So it's got an oak backbone but it's not overly Oaky. and the oak that we're using is extremely it's it's got a lovely mineral friend. quality to it very yeah. very Chablis esque yeah I'm, I'm i'm into this kind of with the 20 mile bench i'm moving more towards that Chablis style where it's got nicer acid a little lower alcohol they're easier to drink they're better with food too i'm really convinced that 2017 is going to be the year where you tear up your abc membership.
1: Well, I almost did it at the Oregon tasting that we were at, but uh, I still hold on to it with a clenched fist uh, and uh, (laughs) do the um, um, Charlton Heston out of my cold, dead hand.
0: (laughs) But I mean, it it was interesting. He's like, we we make great Chardonnay in Ontario. And I mean, it's one of those varietals that regardless of vintage, it's something to look look forward to. Um, And I mean, cuvee this year for the white wine, it definitely was a, a story of Chardonnay
1: it really was i i and, and and you know what i think when whenever white wine is discussed in ontario and i say disgust uh as i do um it is it is the white wine that 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 is beside riesling but i think i i happen to believe at the moment ontario is leaning more chardonnay than they are to the rieslings
0: uh i would agree with that um, and one thing no, that was interesting about about uh, twenty twenty seven sellers. So the wine that we tasted was the twenty fourteen Foxcroft Block Wismer Vineyard Chardonnay. Twenty three
1: bucks at the LCBO, like that's un- un- unbelievable for that wine.
0: And then right next to Kevin's table was Adamo Estates, and uh, they were actually pouring a Chardonnay in a very similar style with a different winemaker from the same block of the same vineyard.
1: So and same vintage, yes. But uh, I know you like that wine. I, did. I was a fan of that Pinot Noir, which comes from another prestigious vineyard in Niagara, Lowry Vineyard. There you go. And if uh, if somebody wants to know how prestigious a vineyard that is, uh, that's a vineyard that Thomas Batchelder covets and gets a little bit of fruit from every year. So you know it's a good vineyard.
0: Now, when we were progressing through the evening, we did talk to a bunch of people, and uh, unfortunately, just with the background noise, there's a lot of people we talked to that the tape just it didn't cut it to make it to uh, to the podcast tonight. Uh, but we did bump into Peter Arod, and uh, he talked just a little bit about the uh, volunteers and the uh, students who were helped making the gears of the event turn. And I think um, I think it's worth giving them a shout out. That's for sure. I'm here literally um, to walk around the room on that side of the wall and the take great table. pleasure in seeing and my students, whether they're graduates they're and are working in the industry or they're currently class. in classes, volunteering, okay. networking with winemakers, okay. networking with industry professionals and getting a sense of what this is all about and why we're all so proud to be I part of the wine industry and the future. Thanks for being part
1: of it. I love Peter. I really do. He used to be uh, with uh, 13th Street and uh, help them make the transition from uh uh ownerships yeah uh, but uh he is just such a fun guy to talk to yeah for sure and uh i could talk to him all night and i i think with the right bottle of wine he would be the guy one of the guys in niagara that i would just like to sit on the back deck with And I, I, you know what i don't even need the right bottle of wine i just need a bottle of wine <laughs> fair enough so then we talked to, um, uh, Peninsula Ridge. Yes. Uh, Jonathan Cooling. Yes. And, uh, about a grape variety that you hate.
0: I do, but with parentheses around it. Like there's a few producers who seem to kill it every year. They just do a great job. The fruit ripens. And by some miracle, Peninsula Ridge every year makes perfectly ripe, very easy drinking uh, Merlot.
1: I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I am a big fan of of their Merlot, and so let, uh, let's let let Jonathan talk about that.
0: For us, uh, it has a lot to do with the vineyard. We, we believed in it from the start, so we planted that vineyard in 1999. Uh, the site seems to agree with it very much. Uh, the aspect, it gets a lot of sun, it's got a nice aspect, but the vines struggle, we don't prop it high ever. So in warmer vintages, it's more of a dense, packed, uh, long-lasting, kind of a of a wine or a little more of a beast of a wine in, in the lighter vintages with a little less sun it tends to be a little more field berry kind of a more drinkable approachable style um and you're, you're right about that it doesn't tend to age quite as well in less warm vintages but when it's when it's warm and dry um we're two and a half three times now i don't know if you agreed with me on one wine we did skip one wine uh before we talked to to jonathan is we bumped into steve byfield of, uh, yes. of narai Wait, how do you say it? I, I,
1: Narai Cellars, you've got it, yes.
0: And uh, the 2015 Viognier that he was pouring, I mean, it's just really good. And it's kind of nice to see this this varietal because you don't see it very often on its own in Niagara.
1: And it's interesting that he's, whole, he's hanging his, his, uh, his hat or his virtual winery on pretty much non-traditional grape varieties. You see a lot of like the Charles Bakers and the Kevin Panagapkas doing you know, either Riesling or Chardonnay, which are very typical for Niagara or for any virtual winery in Ontario. And Steve has decided Sauvignon Blanc and Viognier are his two white uh, mainstays. And it's so interesting to see somebody else with a different perspective on those white varieties.
0: For sure. Absolutely for sure. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to segue to the next person that we've uh, we spoke with.
1: You know what? There is no segue because... You can't really go from talking about – well, no. I guess you can't. Talking about great wine and guys then who review it and have been doing it for so long. The next two that we kind of – we literally bumped into them, and I goaded them into talking to us on tape. And you can really hear that uh, Michael Vaughn – probably one of the more outspoken wine writers of his time, and Tony Aspler, one of the, who's kidding anything, anyone, he is the godfather of Ontario wine writing. Uh, We got them together, they are working together these days, and we got them to talk about the high price of scoring. I think you know what I'm talking about. Hi, I'm Tony Aspler. I'm Harry Belafonte. That is really Harry Belafonte. I am not lying. Michael Vaughn is actually dressed as Harry Belafonte this evening. Right. My, my disguise hasn't convinced anyone. No. Unfortunately. But you look great anyway. Thank you, sweetheart. You gentlemen are working on a project together. Would you like to mention what it is?
0: Yes, well, we are tasting together to uh, ensure that people get some good tasting milk. Right, Michael? And, uh, we're, we're, we're trying to bring
1: it to be a sandwich back to the uh, scores that we see every day, because we don't necessarily think that, you know, the $11 wines are deserving of the 94, 95 points that they get every day in the newspaper. So we're trying to really bring everything down to earth. I think what we have is an
0: overinflated wine scoring market. It was interesting uh, getting them off the cuff talking about that, because it has been a little bit of a buzz that these two are working together, and I'm really looking forward to seeing if there's going to be a more formal announcement for when things come together, but I definitely think that, uh, I'm going to put this clip in a separate folder and you and I will revisit this at a later date. Um, because I know if a lot of people read both your website, uh, Michael Pincus wine and my website, Andre um, our scores don't always match up, but, uh, I know for myself, I'm not afraid to put, put this out there, but You've, uh, you've, you've given me some constructive advice on a couple of scores when I get really excited about something, and you're like, are you, are you really sure about that? You sure?
1: And, uh, and, and, and Vaughn and Aspler are really, really passionate about bringing scores down to earth. Uh, I think there's just out there, and I'm not going to say where, but it's east of Toronto, near Montreal. There seems to be a lot of high Scoring going on over there. There's something in the water.
0: Michael, Michael, gotta put the chain back on. Let's save that for another podcast. Oh, oh
1: all, right. Okay.
0: all right. Um, speaking of who's who, I mean, if Tony Aspler is the godfather for Ontario wine writing, um, I know she's not a writer, but we did bump into someone who uh, is on her way to pretty much rock star status in terms of uh, wine tasting in the province right now. You must be talking about Emily Pierce. Absolutely. And uh, Emily recently won an award, and she's going to tell us what she won. I just won the Best Ontario Sommelier Competition uh, and the Best Taster, the Lipper Best Taster in Ontario. And she's done more than just win that competition. She also got a new pin for her lapel.
1: It looked very good on her, I'd have to say. i
0: have just passed my Court of master Sommeliers Advanced, uh, so... Now, it it was really fun talking to Emily because I do find uh, it interesting to get a perspective from someone who has just gone through an ordeal to get the advanced Somme pin to find out what they liked. And uh, one of her favorite wines was actually something that was, I think we can both agree, the wine of the night, the one that was on everybody's lips, and that was the sparkling rosé from Fielding.
1: That was such an outstanding wine. Uh, The moment I spoke to her and she said that's the wine that she was really jazzed about, I went right over to that table.
0: Yep, and uh, we were not disappointed. Not in the least. And uh, speaking of sparkling wine, um, I know this is burying the lead, but we had a chance to bump into Sherry uh, Moke Edwards uh, from the LCBO.
1: I don't know what you've cut it down to because you are the editor here. (laughs) But we tried to get her to go on the record with a few things. And uh, in typical LCBO fashion, she was very. um, What's the word I'm looking for, Andre?
0: Uh, She was very uh, diplomatic. She stuck to the script. She knew she knew what she could and couldn't see. And I I don't know, Michael, maybe it's your reputation that she wasn't very forthcoming with some details.
1: Maybe she wanted to say a lot of things. Maybe she wanted to say that the LCBO doesn't recognize Ontario wines as much as they should. Maybe she wanted to tell us that the LCBO should be more helpful to the Ontario wine industry. Maybe she wanted to say, (laughs) Hey, Michael, Michael,
0: Michael, I don't know if you remember this part of the conversation, but she did actually say something that you and I were both excited about. And that was when we were talking about what to expect from the LCBO and what they're going to carry from Ontario. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said that coming in the future we should be expecting more sparkling wines. Oh well, then let her say it. I think sparkling wine in general, I don't think, always on fire. Oh, I'm I, so happy um, to hear you say that. And I and I have to tell you, I know that everybody's going to be saying this, but I think rosé is a huge opportunity for Ontario dry rosé. Have a good rosé. Listen, I know you and I have both been uh, pretty critical of the LCBO, especially recently with some of the podcasts the podcast we've been doing here. But if that's what Sherry says is coming to the, uh, the LCBO, I know um, proof is in the pudding. Actions speak louder than words. Uh, let's see some more bottles of Ontario sparkling wine on the shelf, and I think that would be a great way to help um, generate some more interest in, in Ontario wines.
1: As long as they get away, and, and we did this when we talked about uh, Paul Bosk Sr., as long as they get away from the big promotion about ice wine being Ontario's, you know, big thing, which we already know it's it's a passé thing. I hate to say that. I know Donald Zeraldo will be very upset to hear me say that. But ice wine is the passé thing. We know we make great ice wine. It's time to move on. Sparkling wine and... Anything else that that happens to be, you know, Cabernet Franc, obviously. You know, we already know we make great Riesling. Chardonnay is the next big thing. Pinot is the next big thing. These are things the LC sh- LCBO should be focusing on, not ice wine.
0: Easy there. Speech. You're on a bit of a tangerine there.
1: I'm, I'm getting off my soapbox for the moment.
0: But you know, you know what? It actually does create a good segue because you talked about all the great varietals that – Ontario does that that aren't Baco But what was really great was uh, the variety of red wines um, and the variety of vintages. Cause I know the past couple of cuvées, we've had a lot of wineries pouring Bordeaux varietals from 2012 um, and really just kind of riding that, that hot vintage where I think some of the best red wines of the night were from vintages that I don't think anyone would go out of their way to point out a spectacular From Ontario, I'm gonna I'm gonna work my way up to what my favorite one was, but uh, the 2015 Cattail Creek small lot Cabernet Sauvignon was very good. Uh, The 2013 Reserve Cabernet Franc from Stratus was excellent, Uh, but I really think the red wine of the night was the 2014 Showcase Red Shale Cabernet Franc from Trius.
1: I always like the Red Shale. Uh, I didn't get there, but I have tasted it before and when i ever when i do my lists i always look for things i haven't tried before so mine would have been things like the culinari in sieme Mm -hmm. uh 2013 which i had not tried and uh i was blown away by uh that that fielding sparkling was unbelievably great and you know what andre this i wish i could i could swallow my own tongue when i say this but um Flat Rocks, 2014. God, this hurts! It, it all—I have a pain in my chest when I'm saying this. That I got to breathe properly here. Rusty Shed Chardonnay was really one of my favorite wines tonight. <laughs> <I've
0: been. clears throat> I'm sorry, Michael. That was two Chardonnays, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's, hurt. it's okay. It's hurt me.
1: It's okay. I'm having trouble breathing, Andre. Maybe I should see a doctor about this.
0: You know what? I'm going to skip ahead to the, the the next clip on on the list uh, before we talk to uh, the second last clip on the list. I know this is going to be confusing to the people listening to us, but since we're uh, on the Chardonnay topic right now, we had a chance to talk to Thomas Bachelder.
1: Oh, oh, this this was great, and I can't wait. We are. I just want to point out that at that some point in time in the next six months, we are speaking to him. And we're going to have a full podcast with him.
0: Yes, and that's something that definitely needs to be done. But here's Thomas Pichelder, Chardonnay in 100 words or less. Here's the thing. I am a bench snob. And I love the Vineland bench and the Jordan bench for great Chardonnays. I think the greatest Niagara Chardonnays come from there, but also from eastern Beavisville.
1: However... He a Chardonnay from the Lincoln Lakeshore, as is uh, Oliveira Vineyard from the Trios Coiled Permit. Watch the Lincoln Lakeshore. It's
0: coming on. we got to learn what that tastes
1: like. Speaking about not breathing properly, I think we really put Thomas on the spot. Yep. Telling him we want Chardonnay in 100 words or less. And I actually did sit next to him while he was doing that, counting out the words. Uh, I think it was in 94.
0: Yeah, oh, I can't remember. You know what? We can. Do, someone can do the count and then send it back to us. That'd be a, wonderful. Speaking of the
1: count, we actually had royalty. How'd you like that? That was a pretty good segue. That was a pretty we good segue. We actually had uh, royalty yes. in our midst. Yes. In the form of this year's Grape King, uh, Jamie Kay, who is the first time in a long time, but he's the second, if anybody followed that one, Mm-hmm. Uh, grape King from outside of Niagara. One of, the, one of the first, or the first from outside, was uh, Sal D'Angelo from the Lake Erie North Shore. But this one goes way out into, this is like London area almost, uh, from K Devan. And we got a chance to talk to him about what it's like to be grape royalty.
0: It's entirely what you make it, and I'm going full both I'm doing everything they want me to do, showing up to every party, smiling, taking photos. are you actually
1: balls to the wall i've heard that about you that you're balls to the wall about the grape king
0: if you're gonna go go 100 it was super fun bumping into jamie because uh if there's anyone who's owning the title of grape king it's definitely definitely him
1: He's he's got such a uh a joie de vivre when it comes to being the grape king he's really just sucking it all in enjoying every minute of it uh i think they should elect him grape king next year just because of it
0: oh his uh his stature is more of a strut if anything he's the i think
1: so yeah (laughs) and he wears that chain around his neck uh with with authority
0: so i know that i've kind of i've gone through the list of the wines that that i really loved um did you have any other wines that you wanted to give a shout out to before we start wrapping this up
1: well, let me let me just take a quick look through my list. Uh, yeah, that was that one. I don't want to mention it again because it hurts me to say it. Uh, y- you know what? Oh, no, no. Oh, I can't. Uh, you know what? All right. I'm going to say that. Yeah, I I did like your Stratus Cab Front 13. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. What? The- I'm looking through my list and I'm looking at my scores that's it, Andre. I'm throwing in the towel. It's a barrel fermented Chardonnay 2015 from Cassava. What the hell's going
0: on here? <laughs> oh, oh! now now, here's something, because I, I do like that wine, but I was surprised because it is a little heavy on the oak.
1: Yeah, you know, but there's some nice balance to it, and that's what I kind of liked about it. Are you ready uh, to tear
0: up the ABC card yet?
1: No, I'm actually going to get it bronze now.
0: <laughs> um, you know, what? if I had to just kind of go out on a limb here and and sum up the whole event, uh, I've been going to Cuvee now for, I think this is five years. And I can say hands down, this was my favorite incarnation of Cuvee. It, it seems like every year it gets a little bit better uh i know you said there were too many wines but i mean if that's the complaint that there's too many wines i don't think they're doing too many things wrong
1: no but but it's not an overabundance of wine no that's what i think so if you keep it under 100 i think you can get to most of those wines in the you know four hours that that's available to you
0: fair enough i'm looking forward to next year i don't know about you always i really like
1: cuvee um this year, I dressed down, though. I have to be honest. I wore jeans. I wore a jacket and jeans. I felt good about it.
0: I was dressed up well. Because something... Yes, you had your bow tie on, didn't you? Sometimes it's fun to dress up.
1: I, I know. But, you know, <laughs> women's underwear is not dressing up, Andre.
0: All right. Well, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Leave a rating. Um, I'm Andre Pru from AndreReinerview.ca.
1: I'm Michael Pincus from MichaelPincusWineReview.com. And as always, good night.
0: Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.